0: Like we're back I'm Kevin Ellis. That was a great hour taking your Christmas calls, holiday calls. uh Our next guest is Pam Quinn, the director of Twinfield Together Mentoring program, and uh she's been doing this kind of work for over thirty years, working with young people as a children's advocate teacher, curriculum coach, and now in the mentoring field um. And uh, she joins us now. Pam Quim, welcome to the show, and Happy New Year.
1: Hey, Happy New Year to you too, Kevin. Thanks for having me.
0: So tell us, what uh, first of all, you, I, you missed this, but we had a fun time uh, in as we introduced the show at, at about 9 a.m. Uh, arguing about whether uh, Twinfield High, uh, School was in Plainfield or uh, Marshfield, and Greg Titus, one of our hosts, said it was in uh, Plainfield, and we quickly were corrected by uh, a, a caller who immediately called in and said it's actually in Marshfield.
1: It's always the debate in our community if you're someone's from Marshfield or Plainfield because uh, the post office. If you sometimes people live in Marshfield technically, but they their mail comes from Plainfield, so their mailing address will say Plainfield. And so yeah. Twinfield's property is in Marshfield um, proper, um, but the mailing address is Plainfield.
0: Oh gosh! It can't never. It it can't be better than that. So Pam, so so Pam, tell us tell us about Twinfield Together Mentoring Program. What is it?
1: Um, I was just listening to the end of the show um, as I was waiting, and I was listening to your last caller uh, talk about how he wants to bring people together and sit with people that they wouldn't normally sit with and have conversations. And I thought, well, that's a good segue, um, Yeah. because one of the goals of mentoring really is to bring people together that wouldn't normally come together. Um, so someone out outside of one's family, you know, to just have someone with different perspectives and different worldviews and different experiences where we could, you know, both the mentor and the mentee can learn and grow from each other. Um, and so really that's the premise of mentoring is a non-family member uh, that can really support youth um, and i think that used to happen in our society a, a long time ago uh before we were so divided uh it would naturally happen where neighbors would you know take a neighborhood kid under their wing or um uh so there was a lot of natural mentoring uh and and now we need programs where we could set that up and someone can volunteer and say you know i want to be connected to a kid and i want to be there for them and I would say one thing I've realized, I've been doing mentoring specific for 10 years. And when I first um, started doing the mentoring program, I thought, oh, this is a program for kids. Uh, And, you know, I tentatively ask a, a mentor, a community member to volunteer and, you know, the kids need you. And now it didn't take me long to realize that the adults are getting just as much, if not more, out of these relationships as the kids are. So it's really about community. Uh, the whole community benefits from mentoring, not just the kids.
0: Yeah, I, I took part in the in a program like this at Montpelier High School, and I I'll I would echo what you say. The uh, benefit to me was, uh, I'll tell you, far greater than what he got from me. Um, <laughs> you, I, I, it's just, and it's not even it's almost something you can't write down. It's a it's a feeling of belonging mm-hmm. and community and. Uh just sitting with someone, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think that's something we're lacking in our society right now is for people to feel connected in a sense of belonging. And I think that's been dwindling for some time, but I think post pandemic it's 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 a it's a it's strong, it's big. Uh people are feeling isolated. And I think in a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose, I think people are lacking that. And I think in the mentoring program, we've we've sort of expanded our model the past couple of years to sort of say, okay, maybe these middle school youth, we can't get them a mentor for every single kid because we don't have enough mentors and we'll never have enough mentors. And so Mentor National really shifted their they, – they expanded their focus to say, yes, we still want to promote one-on-one mentoring. We think that's a great great program and a great resource for our communities, but we need to start thinking about having a relationship-based model where – We're just saying to all adults in our communities, like, how can you be an askable adult? How can we increase relationships in our communities so that people feel supported and connected and engaged so everybody benefits? And so it's, we still do one-on-one mentoring, but it's really about how are we connecting people? So we've expanded our programming uh, quite a bit to try to take that model on.
0: So let's, let's start with the one-on-one mentoring. How, How does the program work exactly?
1: So, there's a lot of mentoring programs across the state in Vermont. So, if you're a listener and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if I uh, have a mentoring program like this in my community, uh, you should log on to Mentor Vermont and you can find there's mentoring all across our state. And all programs are quite different everywhere you go. Um, but usually, a, a mentoring program in a community tries to find, you know, we'll me- take a volunteer and say, what can we do to, to help you feel connected and, um, and and volunteer in our program? But a twin field together, there's two ways that adults can, can volunteer, or actually now there's three. Um, a volunt- a mentor can can um, become a community-based mentor where, you know, we have mentors that pick their kids up after school and they go hang out for an hour and a half and then they bring their kid home. Uh, you know, they might go back to their house and take a walk and have hot cocoa or they might go into Berry and do the art walk and go to, you know, go see an art show and uh, then go home. Um so it's really we match people based on interest. So, you know, a, a newer match, you know, was matched because they both really like history and museums and so they go to museums together. Um but then some people like to bake. So, you know, it's really you, you're matched based on similar interests. So hopefully it's it's like a it's not a task. It's both a mentor and a mentee are looking forward to it. And then we also have an opportunity for a mentor for volunteers to come into the school. Um and hang out with their mentee, either reading books. Some, we have some people that come in and they, you know, their kiddo eats lunch and they read a book to them and then they play a game. We have another, a couple other pairs that come in and they'll take a walk together. Um, so it really, it evolves based on what the pair wants to do. Um, and then we also have a couple of mentors now that are coming in and sharing their um we have one mentor who's who now is coming in and doing a theater group, theater club in the middle of the day with middle schoolers because we don't have theater at Twinfield. So he comes in and does a – they come in and do a, a theater club um, with a handful of students. Uh, so it's more of a group mentoring model. So that's the adults. And then we also have high school kids that mentor one-on-one. So one kid one, – one older student, one younger student, and they uh, build their relationship and um, – Usually most of the matches will last the whole time the student is in high school, um, same student year after year. Um, and it's just really about making, giving high school kids a purpose and having those younger students really look forward to coming to school because it's their mentoring
0: day. It's uh, and, and, and you say you've expanded it to go beyond one-on-one. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Uh, so post-pandemic, uh you know the kids that were in middle school um most some of them are in high school now but when i couldn't i couldn't you, we couldn't match people very easily during the pandemic or right after the pandemic you know people were really cautious about being matched one on one people couldn't come into schools that wasn't allowed for a full year um and so we were like well we we need to find a way for these middle schoolers to feel engaged um and connected to each other and to their community um because middle school youth are a unique pocket of people for those of you that know middle schoolers. Um, (laughs) And they they need, you know, they need that engagement probably more than anybody. And they're the ones that resist it the most. You know, they're the ones that will be like, no, they push, they sort of start pushing adults away. Um, And so we created a new program called um, Commitments. Uh, It's called Clubs and Commitments. And so we really wanted kids to have a 40-minute period every day where they're interacting with each other and the adults in the building in a relationship-based model, um, doing things that they enjoy. Um, but also, we decided that it would be good for the kids to have a purpose, so they all have a job or um, uh, a commitment to their community every week. And so each middle schooler picks a commitment. Um, and so, for example, a kid might – they can cook for the food bank once a week, Um They can go down and have lunch with the kindergartners and go play with them on the playground or help out in the preschool classrooms delivering lunches. But everybody needed to do some form of service to their community, Uh, and a lot of those are relationship-based. So what are are you doing to make your community a better place? And so that is a way to build that relationship-based model for those kids because they have a purpose. They're needed. Like they have to come in on this day because those kids are, you know – Counting on them to come in because they're helping out in the PE. And those first graders are really counting on you to come. Um, and it also, you know, they enjoy doing it. So, and they're then they're connected to adults in the building in a, in a more engaging and fun way. Uh, just basically, we're trying to engage, and give youth a purpose because we think that that's what all of us need. And that this is oh. one model that we use to do it.
0: Pam, what what led you to this? What led you to this work?
1: Well, I've always been an educator. Um, I actually was a teacher in Chelsea, uh, and then I had kids. I had three children, and I couldn't – my husband's a teacher as well. So we couldn't both be teachers because those of you that know teachers know it's a very full – over full-time job, and someone had to take care of our own kids. So I stopped being a classroom teacher, and I thought, oh, mentoring will be – you know, an easy way, an easy job, easier job um, to work with youth. And turns out it wasn't as simple as I thought it was going (laughs) to be because relationships are are complicated and, you know, there's grant writing that goes along with mentoring. But what I was very surprised at is how rewarding the work is because it is strictly relationship-based. My job solely is to make people feel connected to their school, to their community. Um, and that's what I do. I connect people and it's very rewarding, uh, work to be doing because it's very needed. And so here I am still doing it 10 years later.
0: Well, I think we're going to find that you and I somehow know each other. We, my family, we lived in Chelsea for many years, technically South Washington, but, uh, Okay. Okay. Well, well, I already found out
1: this morning. I know you, but I'll tell you later how I know you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Fantastic. Yeah. Well our community was Chelsea and uh yeah. let's see, one, two of our kids were born there and and many, many happy memories of that community. Uh, yeah. Great so, community. And another
1: example of small world Vermont, isn't it?
0: <laughs> oh God, uh, just fantastic. So yeah. let's let's get to the, the, the tough stuff here. Um it used to be And I think I'm gilding the lily here and watching a little too much sort of Andy Griffith. But it used to be that the mentoring existed in a kind of osmosis way in a community, in a healthy community. It was the owner of the hardware store or the school principal or the basketball coach or whomever was just – he or she was just the everyday mentor. Mm -hmm. Now we have to set up these programs because – Dot, dot, dot. I'm going to let you finish that. So.
1: Well, I mean, I think society has changed. I mean, we've moved further and further away from each other. We've we talked to our neighbors less. Right. Um, uh, we're politically divided, um, but also just I think uh, Bill McKibben's book, Deep Economy, goes deep into that sort of mentality yeah. that, you know, people when, when the economy changed and people moved further and further away from each other, people thought that was going to bring them happiness. Um, and really, actually, people are less happy now than when we all lived closer together and we weren't living in uh, houses that were further away with a nice driveway and uh, all this fancy stuff. Um, people are less happy. But I think it's hard for – I think in, a, in an economy where you know stuff is valued, people, we still, all of us still – like that's our mentality is to, to have that kind of um, those are the kinds of things that are going to make me happier. If I have a nice car, I'm going to be happy. If I have a bigger house, I'm going to be happier. Um, and I think when those are the things that we're, our society values, it's hard to value relationships and people don't have as much time because they're working hard to pay the bills for the things that they need to make them happy. Um, and I don't, I, and I think that's been changing for the, a long, long time. Um, and so it's just not a cultural thing where, you know, mentoring is, you know, like mentoring, a mentoring program wasn't something that was around until the early 90s. Um, but now, I mean, 10 years ago when I first started uh, at Twinfield Together, the, the word mentee was one of those words that I was like, I don't really know why we're using that word, uh, mentee. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't understand what that word is. But if you went, and asked any kid at Twinfield what the word mentee was, they would know right away what a mentee was because for the past 10 years, we've built a culture where mentoring is part of our culture. There are people that come in from the community and they are mentors. The kids that get picked up are their mentees. Um, There are high school kids, like 40% of our high school kids are involved in the mentoring program. So 40 kids, we only have hundred high school kids at Twinfield. So 40 kids, are somehow connected to either walking down and picking up their mentee for a one-on-one, you know, activity to do together, or they are working with a small group of students on a friendship group or in a math club. So somehow the culture, culture change takes time. Um, And so I think we've done a good job at Twinfield of making mentoring part of our cultural norm. But I would say 10 years ago, I personally didn't know what a mentor and a mentee was, what a mentee was in, in like, common language. And I think now it's just, it's the norm at Twinfield. Everybody knows what a mentor is. And kids, you know, the hardest part of my job is every day I have a kid come up to me and say, Pam, do you find me a mentor yet? And I say, not yet. You're on the list. (laughs) And I have to keep walking so Um, they don't follow me. But, you know, I mean, everybody wants to be part of the mentoring program because they see that it's fun.
0: Pam, I wonder if you could talk to us about the role of the school itself uh, in the program. Do they just uh, – is it just providing the building and space, or is there more?
1: Well, I think all mentoring programs do have different relationships, and we are extremely fortunate to have such support from our school and our supervisory union. Um, they really understand mentoring, Uh they really have embraced the changes that you know that that I've sort of proposed every couple of years. I'm like, hmm, I think we could probably do this, and they're very open to it. Um, you know, we, they provide the space and they provide about 20% of our budget. But we are, you know, traditional mentoring program where we rely on grant funding um, and individual donors and sustaining donors to sort of keep our program, you know, sustainable. But Twinfield will they do match? um they give us a match and they give us you know office space and they are just super supportive because you know schools are basically doing the job of a lot of jobs for kids um right now um you know where 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 kids get food where they get uh they might get clothing they need they get access to adults they can ask them how their day is i mean it's more <laughs> It's amazing how much schools are, you know, we're offering mental health services to kids. Um, And I think schools are happy to have as many resources as they can. And I think our relationship-based model fits really well with Twinfield because Twinfield is a small school and relationships are the heart of what, how we're going to help our kids um, be successful. And so they're very supportive and of some of my, um, some of my ideas that I come up with, that I'm like, I think we should do this, and usually they say yes. So that's that's very nice of them.
0: <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by the number 40% of the Twinfield mm-hmm. high school students of the hundred high school students mm-hmm. are volunteers with you. That's and you talk about creating a culture. That's powerful. If you mm-hmm. if, if Twinfield is suddenly known as a place where there's strong mentoring, where it's just a given. Uh, it's not something special or it's just that that's a given. It's part of the fabric of the school. That that starts, that's really powerful.
1: It really is. And I would say like sometimes when I talk to a new mentoring program that's starting up, um, you know, peer mentoring is is funded now through Mentor Vermont. It, ha- it wasn't in the past because they didn't have the resources to fund peer mentoring, but this is the first year Mentor Vermont can financially support peer mentoring programs. Um, I've been doing it since 2015 just because it was silly for me not to do it. And so we found funding somewhere else to to run it. But, you know, Mentor Vermont is now now able to fund it because they got increased funding from the state, which is amazing. Um, And I think one of the things I always tell people, like new mentoring programs, if they're going to start it, is I didn't start with 40%. I started with eight kids who – you know, I said, "Hey, do you think you want to test this out with me? Want to see if I can pull this off?" And I had eight eight students. One of them, who has actually an adult mentor in our program now, comes back and mentors the student on Thursday mornings. But he was one of my first students that uh, said, "Sure, I'll 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 be, do a little experiment with you, Pam." And so we experimented with eight kids, and then the next year, twelve kids, and then the next year, we had twenty kids, and then now we consistently have. I would say 30 kids. And this year we are, I was meeting with my board last week and I was like, oh my gosh, we have 40 kids in the high school program in the high school that are actually part of the program. And so it it takes time and patience, um, but there's a way to do it. So I encourage schools to sort of, you know, take that first step and don't put the pressure on yourself to have 40, 40% of your students participating. Cultural change takes time. Um,
0: are there times pam i know you I know you make a a big salary and millions of dollars <laughs> doing this doing this work. Is there time when you think about what you're up against in terms of the internet and video games and how we now now kids born today are now native to screens uh and I don't care what the studies say. I just know intuitively that. So much of this is bad for relationships mm-hmm. and community. Um, did, did, do you ever sort of throw up your hands and say it's just I, I'm 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 swimming against the tide and the tide is too great?
1: Good question. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I'm maybe a determined human that I'm. It makes me more determined to sort of. Yeah. Um, not fight technology. I think, you know, I have three teenagers, um, in my house as well. So I'm, I'm parenting this issue right now. And I agree with you that, you know, youth are navigating a super complicated world. And I think that technology, um, has some, some benefits. Um, but I also see that there's some major downfalls with isolation and not interacting with people in real life, um, and on screens, um, but I also have learned over time that, you know, kids did not ask to be given devi- these devices. Were given to students and kids well before they're able to manage it. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. And there's
1: t- tremendous pressure for them to have these devices to communicate with their friends. And so, I, for me, it's not about saying technology's horrible, don't have it. It's about finding that balance. It's like okay, I understand this is the world you live in. How do you navigate this world and, and you know, be on your apps and, and communicate with your friends in that way? But how do you also make sure that you're interacting with people in real life, building relationships? And that is kind of the motivation for the clubs and commitments in middle school. You know, the kids, four days a week, those kids are, uh, one day a week the kid is doing a commitment where they're like cooking for the food bank. But the other four days of the week, they are doing something else with their peers. Either they're playing board games, or they're in a Queers and Friends group, or they're they're in a mental health awareness group. So they're they're picking groups that that they a theater club. Um, where where I don't want to say I have to we have to force kids, but I think it's the adult's responsibility to provide opportunities for kids to have time off their screen. You can't expect yeah. kids to sort of be like, oh, let me just dream something up for do. It's like for myself, it's like, no, we have to, the adults have to create those experiences. We have to invite kids in to participate, and we have to make them fun so that they want to participate.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I answered yeah, the and, question, though. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's so true. Um, Pam, before the break, we I mentioned the Youth Behavior Risk Survey. Why don't you tell us what that is?
1: Sure. um so the, the Vermont the state of Vermont actually does a youth behavior risk survey with all of its students, I think sixth through twelfth grade or I think it's seventh through twelfth should know that, but I don't anyhow they they every couple of years they they take this they they survey students and then they take the results and they figure out okay what are students- students saying they need uh what's going on with youth and oftentimes when we're grant writing or working with youth. Makes sense to take the survey and look at that and say, what do our students need? What are they saying? Um, most recently, uh, I wrote a grant for the Clubs and Commitments program because kids, about 50% of students in our community in Central, and they, they're, it's collated by Central Vermont. So in Central Vermont, one of the statistics is only 50% of students feel like they matter to people in their community. And if you think about that, It's actually horrible that 50% of kids don't think that they matter to people in their community. Um, And so mentoring is one way that we could sort of show people kids that they matter, Um, but also in just engaging them, you know, it has to go beyond mentoring because we're never like mentor national recognizes. We're never going to have enough mentor volunteers for one-on-one. So we can't just have the kids that have a mentor feel like they matter. We need to make sure that all kids matter. And so we do things like, do trainings on how to become that askable adult for kids like kids that kids that uh how do you become an adult where kids feel like they can come up to you and 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 talk to you um, or ask you for something Uh or some other some other things like we do now a couple of years ago last year I think we did a training with all the basketball coaches like you mentioned this earlier is that basketball coaches were the natural mentors well now we want train our mentors, our coaches to say, you are the mentors, you are the people that kids are coming to. We need them to know that they matter. And so we're doing um, more specific training with all adults that work with kids to say, how can we be there for them? Uh, but the youth behavior risk survey gives a lot of, gives a lot of information about mattering um, addiction, mental health. Uh, so it pulls out a lot of different areas.
0: You know, it's funny you, you, we talk about the kids who are in need, but I remember I coached at the Washington Village School. I coached uh, basketball, and then I went on to be the basketball coach for oh, I don't know, seven to eight years at Sharon Academy. We actually played Twinfield, and I remember uh, <laughs> Con Hogan's boy Neil was uh, the Twinfield coach at the time, and we made a lot of good friends up there. But. Uh, we coaches were so ill prepared mm-hmm. to be coaches. Uh there's so we, in terms of mentoring the kids and you know we knew basketball and we knew how to right. coach the X's and O's but in terms of relating to the kids oh gosh I was 5 years in before I figured out what I was really doing mm-hmm. and boy if if anybody needs mentoring training it's those coaches
1: I mean, I think sometimes, I think what is so true is that it's my career. I've worked with kids, you know, I went to college to be a teacher and then I did a lot of things working with youth. Like this is my life. Um, So I can navigate these situations because this is my job, but someone that that's not their day job. They, they often get thrown into situations where they don't know how to work with youth. And I think it's important to sort of recognize that not in a judgmental way, but it's like, Oh yeah, well, this isn't your career. Like, you wouldn't want to put me in a financial world and and have me do that job. Um I'd be horrible at it. So, you know, I think it's true we assume, oh I know basketball, I can I can coach, but I think that as a as a cultural shift we need to say if you're working with youth, um let's talk about what relationships are like. Let's talk about how we talk to people, you know, how do we how do we like encourage and not shame. A lot of people are just coaching the way they were coached and perhaps that coaching was not really building anyone up but bringing kids down um so i think it's, it is important <laughs> think? to provide that support to, co- to coaches
0: <laughs> yeah oh gosh the 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 line you just said about uh, most coaches coach the way they were coached in high school mm-hmm. and that's a really bad thing <laughs> i mean we can all we can all take some Some uh, great, great things from the coaches we had in in high school and college. But uh, boy, some of those techniques from the 1950s, 60s and (laughs) 70s really need to go out the window.
1: But we only know what we know. And that is true for youth, too. Like if they are if we if we all stay within our own bubbles, like your first like your last caller said before I came on. And we never talk to people that have different views than us or have different ideas than us. We're never gonna grow um, as humans and then we're never gonna learn from each other because we're all gonna stay in our own little pockets. Um, And I think it's important, it takes some reflection to be like, all right, so maybe the way I was coached wasn't okay, but you're not gonna come to, most people aren't gonna come to that conclusion on their own. They're gonna have to have someone that works with youth to say, Hey, let's think about that. Look back on your own career. What did you like about that coach? Why did you want to coach? Why did you want to stay in basketball?
0: What
1: what brought you there? And what is going to bring your students there now? And we really have to sort of teach people how to have that to change their mindset that to to serve what is the purpose, you know?
0: Um Pam, I wonder if you could talk to us about uh the, your tagline relationships matter. I'm looking at the Twinfield together uh dot net website talk more about relationships matter
1: well um finally after a couple of years i used to have an americorps member that works with me and uh then america that didn't work out for a couple of years after covid so i was sort of doing this all by myself which was not that sustainable so i finally hired a an assistant paula Uh, She lives in Plainfield and she's amazing. And so as I'm training Paula and we're talking about it, and I'm just trying to like explain what is the mentoring program, like who are we, what do we do, what's our purpose? And I was like, we're just, it's all about relationships. If it's about relationships, we're doing it. Um, So because relationships matter, it goes back to that like technology piece too. Like people are so isolated. We just need people to have relationships with each other. We need them to feel valued. And so while we were talking, I have all, like, 10 years of all of these little stories in my head. I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Dave and Matt, they used to be part of the Everybody Wins program when we had it, and Dave would come in and read um, to Matt, but then he couldn't come in the next year because of COVID. He wasn't allowed in the building, so they had to start walking their dogs. And so now Matt started when he was in first grade. Now he's in fifth grade, and Dave still comes with his two dogs. Every Thursday morning he comes meets Matt at the front door. They go for their walk and they have this amazing relationship. And it was really, it's all about like, how do I shift their relationship? He's not allowed in the building anymore. Do we just let that relationship go? Or do we just say, sure, come in, bring your dogs and go for a walk. That sounds great. That's mentoring. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I was telling Paula all these little stories and she's like, well, you know, we should really be sharing these stories. And so, we decided okay let's start this relationships matter blog and let's start telling every week we are, is at least one story that i can tell about a relationship in, in twinfield together that's you know making people feel more connected maybe a little bit happier
0: yeah. tell me, uh, so, yeah, Pam, so tell, me about, tell me about tell me about the budget um what do you have to raise each year how much does all this cost
1: yep so this year because we have I, I expanded my hours and then we hired Paula, I think I think we're about a seventy seventy thousand dollar budget. Um forty three thousand so fifty five percent of that is coming from grants. So grants that I'm writing. Um ten thousand dollars of that is coming from individual donations from people in our community. Um so uh, you know, some people are sustaining donors. I have a advisory board. All five of them are sustaining donors where it comes right out of their, you know, it's like being a subscriber to a Netflix. They just have money come out of their paycheck of their, uh, you know, online once a month. And that's an easy way to be, you know, to support mentoring is to be a sustaining donor. And then Twinfield donates, does about $20,000 towards that budget, um, but again, because we're about relationships, you know, and also like the local business community. So my job is really like I'm always just building relationships with the school, with our grant funders, with the local businesses. I heard that Plainfield Hardware was uh, is uh, was just doing a commercial uh, recently. And, you know, next month for National Mentoring Month, we're going to have a we're going to go to four different businesses. We're going to go to Plainfield Hardware one day. We're going to go to Fox Market another day. We're going to go to the New Cafe in Plainfield, Outer Spice, another day. And then also the Marshall Village Store. All businesses that support and either financially or hosting us totally support mentoring. And we're going to go to those businesses and we're going to invite people from the community to come and have a cup of coffee and a, and a muffin with us and, and learn more about the mentoring program. So, so, you know, the funding piece is also the relationship piece. I'm always trying to get people to um to support our program either financially or becoming a mentor. So
0: um last question. Well, put me on the list. I wanna be part of that. Um last question. <laughs> How have you grappled with the the the, the issues around gender? that have been uh, sort of just, you know, such a part of, you know, locker rooms and sport, trans kids trying Mm -hmm. to play sports and parents being so angry about it and schools grappling with it. Have you had to deal with this?
1: Well, you know, I think that we live in a community, like I think our school, um, we all work with youth and our job is to support youth and we are going to support youth where they're at. And so we do have um, a very uh, LBGQ plus positive school community where any youth that comes into our building is going to be valued and seen and supported. And some of those students may or may not be supported in the same way at home. Um, But it is our job at school to be there for kids. And and this goes back to the youth behavior risk survey. LBGQ plus students or any marginalized students, maybe students of color or students living in poverty or um, students that are neurodiverse, are all more – their their statistics on um, how they feel about themselves um, or how they see themselves are, are always worse than the average person and you know, I'm a youth service. Work, you know, I'm a youth worker, so I'm here to support the youth. And it's not really my job or anyone else's job to try to convince the parents um, of students that they have to have a certain mindset. Um, but we at the school and the mentoring program will always, always be supportive of students, regardless of how they identify. Um, and so, sometimes we have a. You know, one there was a. Uh, sometimes there'll be a parent who will say, you know, I don't. I'm a traditional parent, and I don't want those kinds of things talked about in, you know, with the mentor and, and my child. And I say, totally understood. It is not our job either to promote um, that this that one way is better than the other, and we want everybody to participate. And so I explain to this parent, you, we are not going to try to change your mind or anyone else's mind, but I want you to know that the Twin Field Together Mentoring Program will always be like on our Facebook page, we might say something about LBGQ plus positive community. And we, I want you to know that that's how we are. So are you okay with this relationship? And the parent said, oh yeah, sure. We're not, we're not hating on anybody. Uh, We just want you to know, you know, so there's ways like, like, again, your caller said, I sat down and had a conversation with this parent and we, the mentoring programs philosophy and their philosophy are two totally different philosophies, but we both agreed that that is okay.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you're great to come on the show, and we really appreciate you coming on and what you do. Uh, Pam Quinn is the director of Twinfield Together Mentoring Program. You can find her and the program at twinfieldtogether.net, and there's a little button that says support us, and it tells you (laughs) how you can write them a check and support what they do. Pam, happy New Year, and thanks so much for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks. Happy New Year to you too um, and to all your listeners, Kevin.
0: We're back. I'm Kevin Ellis. It's Vermont Viewpoint. And we're taking your holiday calls. Even though my phone just fell on the floor. Uh, that was a great, what a great segment with Pam Quinn uh, from Twinfield, uh, that Twinfield Together mentoring program. Boy, if you if you're down this holiday season, go to her website and uh send her ten bucks. Or better yet, volunteer to mentor. Um whether you're in Twinfield in the Twinfield area, I know there's a program in Montpelier. Uh plenty of things to do. Um we're taking your calls at two four four one seven seven seven. Uh I'm gonna um while you're I wanted to read something to everyone. But, of course, I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, th- there was a, a, a TV critic who uh, watched Charlie Brown's Christmas, and he talked about how um, – I don't know if you remember this from your childhood. I certainly did, and I forced my children and my wife to watch it this holiday season. And I, it was uh, – it's a great moment and Lee Cattell actually uh, mentioned it on the air the last week. Uh, It's about that, that, that Charlie Brown's Christmas is about so much. There's so much going on there. And the, you know, it's a, it's all about the meaning of Christmas. Um, And, and the writer of this article is Jewish and he talked about growing up, watching Charlie Brown's Christmas as a Jew uh, and trying to understand why Christmas was, was such a big deal. And he he continues to watch it to this day, and he, he watched it again this year and talked about how what's going on there is, is as a Jew, he, he identified with Charlie Brown because Charlie Brown begins the show by talking about how depressed he is about Christmas. And he didn't understand the meaning of Christmas and he was struggling with its commercialism and all the buying and selling and the, you know, the advertising. Uh, And he he spends the whole show trying to figure out uh, why he's so depressed about Christmas. And part of what's going on is that he is an outsider and everyone else is doing the, uh, doing their thing at Christmas and Charlie Brown's kind of, off to the side, trying to figure out how to be off to the side, not part of the group. And uh, this writer was talking about his experience, his Jewish experience being that way as well, an outsider uh, in, in in this massive sort of Christian based holiday. And uh, it's really quite profound. And then, of course, the the coming together of the show at the end where Linus, my favorite character with carrying his blanket, which by the way, he used as a, uh, as a slingshot earlier in the show and then uh, wrapped around his head in in a kind of an Arab uh, uh, symbol, which I thought was an incredible piece of, of, uh, Oh, I don't know. uh, art, Art, art sort of, art by the Charles Schultz, uh, animators. Um, and then, uh, he, he takes to Linus takes to the stage and talk reads, I believe from the book of Luke in the Bible about peace on earth, goodwill towards men and, and, and the real meaning of Christmas. <laughs> and without uttering a word, he walks off the stage and he kind of looks at Charlie Brown, doesn't say anything to him, uh, but you can see Charlie Brown finally figures out, thanks to Linus, at the end at the end of the show, that's what Christmas should be about. It should be about peace on Earth and goodwill towards everyone. And uh, and the the World War One piece I read at the beginning of the show, where in 1914 World War One, when the Germans and the Brits and the French, probably some Americans there, talked about came out of their trenches and exchange gifts and handshakes and play the game of football might have been soccer. Not exactly sure. I uh, haven't done the research, but, um, it's, uh, you know, Charlie Brown at the end, world war one truce at the beginning. Uh, it's, uh, it all means something and we're going to keep talking about these issues on this show, uh, as we move forward into the new year. Uh, Next Friday uh, – I'm sorry, this coming Friday, day after tomorrow, we're going to do a week in rev- a, a year in review, and then we're going to do some predictions. Uh, we'll do politics. We'll do culture. We'll do arts, entertainment. We'll do all sorts of things. Um, and I promise to get Sarah George back on the show to talk about this incredibly important and dangerous – trend that we've got going and where people feel like it's okay to threaten the lives of uh public officials uh who are doing work. Uh, we we're gonna not we're not gonna bury that. Uh we're gonna talk about this. Uh that is our show for today. My thanks to our guest, Pam Quinn. Uh sorry that Sarah George couldn't join us, but uh we had Mark Johnson on for a while talking about uh important issues. Poor guy. All he was doing was wishing to call in to wish me a happy new year, and I dragged him into this uh, public safety issue. By the way, you can check us out. You can check uh, Pam Quinn out online. Just Google her. Um, They do great work over there at Twinfield. I'm always looking for guests. uh, So give me a call, hit me up on Twitter, or email me at Vermont VT Viewpoint at Radio Remember, you can stream the show live and later as a podcast at com anytime, anywhere. I'm here Wednesdays and Fridays. I'm broadcasting remotely from the studios of KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Uh, And uh, I'll be back Friday. As I said, we'll do a year in review and predictions. You can find me at KevinKLS.com. Subscribe to my newsletter. I've taken a couple of weeks off as you could probably see if you're a reader. And my podcast, Conflict of Interest, uh, examines the issues we deal with on this show. Our show is produced by me, engineered and made possible today by Brent Curtis, and other times by Danny McGivrigan, Lee Cattell, Greg Titan, and all the folks at WDEV. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Kevin Ellis. We're going to see you right back here on Friday. Uh, as I said, we're gonna, we're gonna review the year in politics and culture. Uh, we'll make some predictions. Uh, I know one on my list is that this upcoming election is gonna, are gonna be, this upcoming election in 2024, uh, is gonna be a doozy. Uh, what's Bernie Sanders gonna do in 2024? Is he gonna run for re-election? We're gonna know that very soon, and that's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about. So join us Friday for the year in review, review and predictions. Right here on Vermont viewpoint.